Good morning. Uh, one thing I appreciate about some people, not all people, but some people, is when they have something, something wrong, they have a problem with you, they sense an untruth, they'll come and talk to you, and it can really hurt, and it can really cause pain, but uh, wounds from friends are much better than kisses from enemies. And uh, I heard something this morning from our host, our greeter at the beginning of the day, that that violin planning would be, playing would be the worst part of the morning. But no, I am here to prove her wrong. So, <laughs> yes. So just being real and honest with y'all. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, get to church on time. All right, yeah. Hey, Christmas is upon us. Uh, well, last night was our church family meeting, and we talked about how we're budgeting next year for, uh, uh, for hydro costs being lower, but now that the lights are up here, uh, yes, that, uh, that budget's just out the window, let me tell you. But yeah, Advent candles are going up, Advent calendars are going up. Uh, this morning, we got to experience some Christmas egg fog. <laughs> uh, Hey, I got three laughs there. That's an improvement on my usual stuff. I've been working on that one all morning. But, but today I want to take just a bit of time, a bit of time, and I want to talk a little bit about how you can enjoy the real Christmas, the real Christmas. There's a lot of things we enjoy at this time of the year. There's presents. There, there's, there's family gatherings for some of us. There's vacations. There's breaks from school. Right now, a lot of us aren't too happy for students because it's exam time. But it's that time of the year where we get to enjoy sometimes very different things than the rest of the year. For some of us, it is ugly Christmas sweater time. And may I encourage you over these upcoming weeks. Last couple weeks ago, we had wear your hat to church Sunday. No judgments here, folks. You can wear those ugly sweaters here and find acceptance. And I, I was studying on the internet the other day. There's this company called the uh, Ugly Christmas Sweater Company, and they have profits exceeding $5 million this year. So I, I got into the wrong line of work. But, but man, things at this time of the year. Paint a little picture. Give us a little bit of taste of the real thing. But what's the real Christmas? And that's what I wanted to spend a couple minutes talking about today. There's this verse we read in the scriptures, and it says this. And she, Mary, gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloth. She placed him in a manger. Because there was no room for them in the inn. That was like the fastest built manger I have ever seen in my life. I'm sure most of you didn't know what was happening there, and that was the whole point, but that was absolutely brilliant. And it gives us a little bit of a taste, a little bit of picture about what the real Christmas is all about. And what I want to do this morning, I just want to take you a little bit closer, a little bit closer to the real Christmas, where maybe, maybe, maybe this year you can just slow down, and you can stop, and you can get on your tiptoes, and you can look at that manger, and maybe for the first time, maybe you just need to be reminded that that's the real thing. Because if you can get close, if you can understand what happened 2,000 years ago in that manger, it can encourage you like never before. It can bring hope to you that maybe you just need today. 
It can give you strength that you might just need right now at this moment. There's a million things you could have been doing this morning. You could have stayed home because of the egg fog. You could have stayed home because, man, it's not, it's going to take a long time to get here, but you chose to be here. And my prayer for you this morning is that you don't leave because you get a picture of what happened in that manger that gives you real hope, real strength, real encouragement because you chose to be here today. So when I think about Christmas, when I think about the real Christmas, I think back to when I was a whippersnapper 23-year-old. A whole two years ago. <laughs> yeah, whatever. And I was, I, I, sometimes I vented my frustrations with the Christmas season, but when I was 23, I had a lot of angst towards the busyness of the holidays, and I decided that I was going to rebel as a 23-year-old. And so I said to my parents, I'm pivoting tonight. I am not going to be here for Christmas Eve. And I turned to the youth group, who I'd just begun leading as a volunteer at the time. Hey, how many of you want to just do something rebellious and different tonight? How many of you will just stand up to these cultural expectations and just pivot tonight and do something different. Let's take thermoses of hot chocolate and strap them to our backs. Let's go find a bunch of warm jackets and sleeping bags. Let's go make some bag lunches, and we're going to go downtown. And let's just spend the night with a down and out in downtown Toronto, in the freezing cold, with whoever we can find down there. Who's with me? And... And they gathered, all four of them. <laughs> and we piled into my junker of a car and we headed down there. And after five hours, we saw about three people. But I'll never forget, we sat with this one guy named George. And my, for like an hour and a half, my butt was so frozen to the sidewalk they had to call the fire department with the jaws of life and extricate me from the ground. But, but we were sitting there with them, and he's like, what on earth are you doing here? Be home with your families. Why on earth are you sitting with me? And we're like, we just wanted to stop. We just wanted to stop. So we get so rushed. We get so rushed that we miss the whole manger th scene. We run past and we rush past the whole thing. But when you slow down and when you look at it and when you examine it and what it seems and what it means to your life, you begin to understand what it really actually can mean to your life. And that's what makes Christmas real. If you can just get a little bit closer and understand why on earth would God come down in that way, in that form, it can change your life. Now, Jesus, when he was born, he was given the name Jesus. God saves. That's what his name means. The angel said, name him Jesus. Jesus means salvation. It means that God wants to rescue you from the worst life and give you the best life. Believe it or not. 
And if you really want to understand what Jesus wants to do in your life, you got to understand your names because Jesus has got a lot of names. There's a guy named Isaiah. He prophesied 700 years before Jesus. He said this, For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. Now, I only have three hours to talk to you today, so I thought we'd only cover two names. I'm kidding. Just two hours. And we're just going to focus on two of those names. And we could look at them all, but I just want to focus on two. I want to look at Mighty God, and I want to look at Eternal Father. And in those two names come four words. And the first one I just want to take a little bit of time to talk about, and it can make Christmas so much more real if you just slow down and look at it. It's this mighty. It's this mighty thing. And this is one of the things that Jesus Christ wants to offer us this Christmas. He's a mighty God. And so when you and I, when we think of mighty, what's the first thing we think of? Not a manger. We think of military might, do we not? Or maybe it's nuclear power. Or, or, or maybe it's political power, weightlifting power, you know, like, mm, yeah. yeah, you can tell I've done that a lot. We can look at those things, electrical power. We can look at so many things as being powerful. But when we think of powerful and mighty, how many of us, this is the scene that comes to mind? The manger? The manger scene? Check this out. The greatest power, the greatest power in human history that came into this world came into this. Can you believe that? A new strength that the world had never seen before was born into the world in a manger. And it's a new strength for your life if you let it be. It's a new strength to help you handle the toughest of battles. So I got a question for you. I'm going to ask you four questions, four things today. But what's the toughest battle you're facing right now? What's the toughest battle you're facing right now? Is it some relationship you're going through and it's like you just want it to come towards you or go away? And God says, I want to give you power in your life to make a difference at this point in your life. Is it some circumstance that's happening in your life and it's just not going the way you want it to go? Is it some temptation, some addiction? It's got the best of you. And it's like, man, I beat this last week, but it's coming back again and again. And it's like this cycle, and I can never get off this treadmill. Is there some great opportunity, and you like, you're like, I don't know if I'm up for this. I don't know if I have the gumption. I don't know if I, I got what it takes. Where's the greatest battle that you're facing right now? And it's right there at that point God says, I want to make my power available to you. The manger, it's not just some sentimental kid's story. It's all about God's power in our lives. And God's power can be released into your lives at the very point you feel weakest. And that's what he wants to do. He wants you to know that his power is available and it's available at your weakest moment. And I think for a lot of us, we talk about this a lot. It's like, Joe, I feel like I, 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 I start this morning in, with prayer and with devotions, and by 8 a.m., I feel completely disconnected from God. 
Anyone ever feel like that? So how do we stay connected? If there's this power available, how do we stay connected to the king of the universe? How do I do that? Just like you would in any great relationship. You got to be aware that he's there, that he wants to talk to you. He wants to talk to you throughout the day. And it doesn't have to be long conversations. Hey, God, this person walking down the hall, they drive me nuts. Give me the strength. Give me the patience. God, I need your wisdom here. This Excel cell spreadsheet, I have no idea what's going on here. God, this person down in cubicle land, they drive me nuts. God, I'm not sure what to do here. God, he wants to hear from you. He wants to stay connected with you all throughout the day. And there's all this power that he's talking about that's available to us. God has great power. And he wants to give you that power and he wants to give you that strength at this Christmas. Maybe it's God, just help me to have the discipline and the willpower to not blow all my budget money this month and get the depression that comes when that visa bill shows up in January. It would do us no good to just talk about this and say say it's something that just happened 2,000 years ago unless we talk about what's going to happen in my life today. So if you got your insert, your bulletins, I'll have it come up on the screen here. But we can work together as we go along here. But question, the statement I'd love for you to finish is, the Chris, this Christmas, I need strength to. This Christmas, I need strength to. How would you finish that? God, I need your power. I need your strength. If it's available, if it's in your name, I need, you to, I need your strength to do what? And maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a circumstance. Write it in there. Think about it. Pray about it. Maybe it's something that you're just feeling about yourself. Where do you need strength? Where do you need Christmas to come crashing into your life this year. Write something because he is the mighty God and he wants to give us power because he's the mighty God. Now, now, here's the amazing thing. There's not just power available in that manger. There's also glory that's available in that manger. And that glory is God has come to earth. And what we like to do is we like to sanitize the Christmas story. We make it very Western. We make it very North American. And so even when we think about mangers, they're like these pristine wooden creations. We have this 21st century picture of a manger, but a manger looks more like this. That's a manger. That's a first century manger right there. It's a water trough. It's a stone water trough. So when, I, don't, I haven't seen too many Christmas nativity scenes that look disgusting and old and nasty like that, but that's the kind of device that Jesus was laid into. And when we think about the stable scene, it's always this nice, clean, pristine-looking thing, isn't it? But a better picture of a first century stable was more like this one. It's like a nasty old uh, cave that'll come up in a second that's probably full of bat bat dung and, and nastiness and grossness. And this is where the savior of the world, the greatest power, the glory came to earth. We tend to scrub and sanitize and make it look like that. But however we picture it, however we picture the manure scene, no matter what kind of box we put Jesus into, no matter what we try to do with that scene, you cannot keep him super glued in it. You can't put God in a box. 
And the glory of God, it'll break out of every box you and I try to put him in. And it's like for so many of us, it's like, God, I just want you over here. Let me live life the way I want to live. And I'm over here. And I'll be over here. I'll be over here. Just, you, just stay over there in your box. You do your thing. I'll do my thing. And, and God's like, no, I'm not going to do that. The glory of God came into the world at Christmas. And it was in the manger And God busted out of that box. And he says, I want to do more than just that. I want to get into your life. I want to transform your life. I'm going to mess with your life. I'm going to make your life better than you could ever dream, more than you ever can imagine. And that's God's glory. And for a lot of us, if we start thinking about this, how could on earth could the God of the universe, the entire universe, come in to the world as a little baby in a manger. That's like taking the Pacific Ocean and putting it into a thimble. I mean, how could you do that? And the best description I can give you if, you, if you read through the scriptures, there's this brilliant passage in Philippians 2, and it says that God humbled himself. He humbled himself so much, he became a baby. He humbled himself so much, he died on a cross for us. He died for us. That's humility. Somebody wrote this about the baby in the manger being God, and they wrote this. He who is the creator became a creature. He who is eternal allowed himself to be bound by time. He who the heavens can't contain was enclosed in a woman's womb. He who is clothed in majesty was born in a cattle trough. He keeps, right, he keeps saying, he who is, in this, is the sovereign God became dependent on a human man and woman for his food and his clothing. He who had spoken whole worlds and galaxies into existence had to depend upon baby cries to communicate. The God of the universe became baby. That's the glory of God. And some people think that Many of you who are gathered here today are so narrow-minded to believe that God came to earth as a baby in a manger. And my reply to them is, do you have any idea how open-minded you have to be to believe that the God of the universe would come to earth in a manger? That God would care so much for you that he would do that. Maybe it's a challenging thought for you today that God did this. Maybe it just seems like way above, like that, I don't get it. And you're wondering about this. You're wondering, could that have happened? Did that really happen? And I would encourage you, check it out. Don't just do an internet fact check or a Facebook fake news fact check. Go deeper, research it, test me, test us. Go throughout the history of the last 2,000 years, examine it. Because if you're a passionate seeker of truth, discover for yourself, was Jesus really born in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago? And if you're a passionate seeker of truth, God will wonderfully reveal himself to you. God and human flesh came into the world at Christmas, and that's the glory of God. And when I recognize the glory of God, I recognize the greatness of what God wants to do in my life. And because of the way I'm wired and the way you're wired, I don't know about you, I like to be wowed. I like to be overwhelmed. 
I like having things come into my life and encounter my life that are much bigger and grander than I can ever imagine. And most of us, we are desperate to be entertained. And we're going anywhere to be entertained. That's one of the, both the tragic things and the great things about the internet. There's so much entertainment that can overwhelm us now. I know there's people that aren't here today because they're at home playing video games and watching Netflix and doing those other things because they believe those things are going to bring them the joy, the happiness, the pleasure that they so seek. And we all do this. We seek after celebrity gossip um, uh, and celebrities. We, We seek after sports figures and sports heroes. But I'm here to tell you today, you can see the most tremendous, biggest catch at a football game and get so excited. It's so exciting. It makes you stand up. But it's nothing compared to the greatness of God and the greatness of God and what he wants to do in your life. See that manger in Bethlehem? This is, it's, it's like a two-by-four to your face. Because it's so, isn't that weird? It, it's like, what do I even do with that? How should I even feel about that? God came into the world? What does it mean for me? And what does it mean for you? It means that our God is bigger. It means that God's perspective is bigger. It means that God wants to do something bigger in your life. So the second statement I got for you, the second question, thought I have for you is this Christmas, what do you need a bigger perspective on? What do you need a bigger perspective on? What problem, what reality, what is getting in your way from taking the next step? What obstruction, what barrier, what situation in our world today has just got you tripped up? What do you need a bigger perspective on? And when you think about what God wants to do in your life, when you have this attitude of awe, it can set things in perspective. When you see the power in the manger, when you see the glory in the manger, man. I got a third thing here. We're still talking about names, but we had this eternal father. We had this internal. And it's this whole idea of see the hope that's in the manger. And when it comes to hope, it's just like power, it's just like glory. And we have these ideas about what brings us hope, and it's a lot of different ideas. What are some of the things we, we find hope in? You don't know if I'm being rhetorical or not, so go ahead and answer me. Family. Family. That's it, okay. Mm-mm. Well, I got some. Lottery, stock market, money, career. Politics, the iPhone 20. (laughs) We got all sorts of kinds of hopes. But here's the deal when it comes to hope. When you put your hope in the stock market, what happens to your hope? It's all over the place. Check this out. A lot of people, they'll put their hope in a relationship. Relationships are not eternal, folks. Family, if that's your identity, we put our hopes in good things. But check this out. When you put your hope on the eternal, on God, guess what happens to your hope? It's eternal. It lasts forever. It's going to last. There's over 7,000 promises in the Bible. That's a lot of promises. And in Jesus, and in Jesus, 
every one of them is a yes. God promises to bring us salvation, and Jesus says yes to that promise. And if you're looking at your life and you're saying, man, I'm struggling here. I'm struggling with a relationship. I need the strength to know what to do here, how to handle this. Jesus is like, I'll give you the strength. I'll come alongside you. You're not alone. And if you're like, I mean, I need help with this decision in my career or my life or in this relationship or in this business thing, God promises wisdom and Jesus says yes to wisdom. And, and you might be looking at your life, and I think a lot of us do. We get a little bit cynical here and it's like, He's not saying yes to me right now. I'm seeing a lot of no's. I'm seeing a lot of circumstances that aren't working out. I've got a lot of problems. How do you see hope when you have a problem? How do you keep hope when you have a problem? And here's the amazing thing. Even in those difficult times, God works hope in our lives. Here's what he says in Romans. The guy named Paul writes this, and he says this. And there it is. We also have joy with our troubles because we know that these troubles produce patience and patience produces character and character produces hope. And in a group this size, I have no doubt that some of you here this morning are feeling pretty hopeless. And everything I'm saying to you is actually just a sting because you're feeling hopeless and you're looking at your circumstances and you're thinking, you know what, that's great for you, Joe. But it's not working for me. And you kind of feel like there's like no way out. Never let a temporary circumstance rob you of eternal hope that God wants to give you. What's the one thing you need to do today? to release, to hand over. So my third statement for you is this one. This Christmas, I need to trust. This Christmas, I need to trust. Trust in what? What are you putting your trust in? What are you putting your hope in? Last one here. And can I invite the band up? Just as I wrap up here. I want to see the love that's in the manger. I want to see the love that's in that manger. Every good love is based on God's great love. And his love is higher than that. It's the sacrificial, self-giving love. And he loves you so much because he decided to love you so much. He's the eternal father. He's the, the love of the father is there in the manger. I say this verse a lot. You see it at football games a lot. It's a familiar verse to most of us. But it's John 3.16. Let me read it to you again from a different translation. God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son so that whoever believes in him may not be lost but have eternal life. That's God's love for you. And when I get to know God through his son Jesus who came 2,000 years ago, I get to experience that love in my life. But here's the deal. God is not going to force himself into your life. He's done everything he needs to have done that he wanted to do in order to open the door for you. And he's standing here and he's saying, do you want to come in? The gate's open. I've given you the gift. But you have to go through the door. You have to go through the gate. You have to accept the gift. And he's not going to force himself on you. 
But once you accept that gift, there's this incredible love. I love what Paul says. Nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I think a lot of us know this, that human love lets us down. It lets us down way too often, doesn't it? But God's love will never let you down. But in order to enjoy this love, you've got to accept him into your life. And it won't be forced. In order to enjoy it, though, you've got to invite it into your daily life. So how is this stuff going to make a difference this year at Christmas for you? Last one I got here, last statement for you to finish is this. I need God's love for. I need God's love for. You might write some person's name in there. I think some of you write today, you need God's love for me. You're having a rough time with me. So maybe my name needs to go in there. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's another person's name. God, if I'm going to love that person, I'm going to need your strength. No doubt about it. Maybe it's for someone in your office, someone at school, someone on campus. Maybe it's for that enemy. God, I just need love for that person in that situation. And by the way, a little plug here, not a shameless plug, but a little plug here. The greatest way you can express God's love at Christmas is by inviting someone to hear the good news. Some of us here, I know you came to Jesus over the Christmas season because someone invited you. What a great gift to give someone at Christmas. To invite them to come, to watch, to hear, to listen, and respond to what only God can do. Who do you need to invite today? Invite people and watch what God and only God can do. So i got one last question. It's a, real, it's a real easy one, but it's also the most important question, I think, in all the world. Are you sure that you have a relationship with God through Jesus today? And you can be sure before you leave today. How? Because he's already done it all. He's already done what needed to be done, and he's offering it to you. He's already lived for you. He came down for you. He died for you. He resurrected for you. And he's offering you this free gift of relationship. And all you got to do is trust him. So I want to lead you in a prayer of trust right now. If you're not sure where you're at with God and you want to be sure. And I don't want you to bow your heads. I don't want you to close your eyes. Did you know you could pray with your eyes open? Do you know Jesus prayed all the time with his eyes open? It's one of the most common ways he prayed. So with our eyes open right now, if you're not sure that you've begun a relationship with God through Jesus, you can be sure right now. Just trust him and just say, Jesus Christ, right now, I want to begin a relationship with you. I trust you with the wrong things I've done. Forgive me rather than me trying to make up for them. And I trust you with the good things that you want to do to grow me, to change me, to use me. Jesus, thanks for loving me. Amen.
Okay, thank you. Let's stand up and uh, wrap up uh, the service. Sing the love of God.